0: One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be hear Knights of Vader. I know that we are just musicians hired, and their
1: time is up, so here's the Knights of Vader. Impressive. Most impressive.
0: A big thank you to Anne Superiority Complex for providing our theme song. It is November 15th, 2018, and we're talking Defending Return of the Jedi. My name is Zach Weber, and tonight I am joined by the one and only Zenger.
2: Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. That one's a hard one to do because my normal Emperor voice, it doesn't work doing it that way. Because my normal Emperor voice is where he's like growling, yelling stuff. And it doesn't work doing that quote.
0: Yeah, it's one of the more hushed whispers of the Emperor as opposed to the, Your faith in your friends is yours. (laughs) And now, young Skywalker. You won't
2: die. See, it's like I can do it that just that one I can't because it's this weird, like he's just like frail old man mode, sitting there like, oh Yeah, that's that's again the Emperor's weird like that. And, and
0: there's, there's my that, biggest complaint
2: yeah. about the movie. That's Let's start weird. there. The the Emperor is the worst thing. No, I'm joking.
0: Emperor's the greatest thing about this movie. As time
2: I, goes but- on, that's
0: good. He's the gem of this movie.
2: By the way, I just want to throw it out there just so the um, audience can get behind me on this. I want to do a Robot Chicken episode or just do a few of them because those are long overdue to force you to watch them and to force me to just squeal with glee at the fact that they are amazing.
0: At one point, I think I think I was on a list somewhere. I have that on one of my many lists of episodes to do. but I, I, That was always an issue because I don't think I could ever get Mark to sat down and watch three hours of those. So we could do that now. <clears throat> yeah. That's, de- that's definitely something that we could do, because I think, obviously, Zenger doesn't need to be forced to do that. Nope. And I-, and I have them all. So, no, that's that's definitely doable. How we would break it down, I, I can't imagine doing three episodes, for one for each, ep- each like, what, special? Is that what it was called? I was going
2: to say, like, like a like a best of, maybe. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's-, it's hard yeah, to it do, would. because it's like, I feel like if we did a best of, there'd be a part two, part three, part four thing to that. Just always revisit it, just keep going back to it once every like three months. Quarterly, like
0: the, the quarterly Robot Chicken special, yeah. But that is a topic for another day. So, today, actually, <laughs> see, Zenger's blindsided me. Forget about that returning the Jedi nonsense, we're going right into Robot Chicken. Uh, but no, when this episode comes out, the week will be Thanksgiving, and before we get your turkey. Topic, Yes, eat your turkey, eat your Darth Vader and Yoda. Have they made Star Wars themed turkey dinners yet? Have they? <laughs> I don't know. Is there like a? Like, I would imagine there's a kid cuisine meal that's Thanksgiving themed and maybe has like I don't know Darth
2: Vader. The best thing them. ever.
0: <laughs> maybe we can only hope that. Well, there's got to be someone who's made like a Darth Vader pumpkin pie at some point. That has to exist. I believe it. So, but with that being said, though, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a time of year when families come together and you interact with people you don't usually see, you say what you're thankful for, and this might be a little played out. And if you've heard the uh, Cinemades episode that's coming out the exact same day as this, you'll hear the very cynical, jaded version of this. But i like to say thank you to all of our listeners. The podcast in the last year has grown leaps and bounds ever since that pesky Last Jedi movie uh, I, I couldn't believe how fast this podcast has grown. We actually have more than one listener now. Uh, even, though, even though I have to say goodbye to my favorite joke of all time of don't disenfranchise the listener.
2: I'm uh, still going to try.
0: Well, we can still try to slowly disenfranchise you one at a time. But it's great to have such an audience of people. And even though a lot of you are still part of the silent majority of Knights of Vader, to both you and our some of our loudest friends, whether it be Porg Knight, Gideon, Chris, Corey, our friend on Twitter who has the name Southern. Don't have my computer in front of me right now, so I'm just kind of doing it on the top of my head. To all of you out there who retweet, like, comment, thank you. It means a lot that you do listen to us, especially after the live episode last week. If you can endure <laughs> that episode, I'm pretty sure we can't lose you at this point.
2: We and try- li- by the way, a live episode probably is not something we're going to try to pursue in the future, but we're working on a possible other idea. So. That's not well, overstepping.
0: Well, well, folks, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Um, I've been planning like a live trivia episode where the Knights of Vader guys do trivia live, and you can engage too.
2: But oh, Zenger God. doesn't
0: Zenger doesn't know that yet, so he's in for a surprise in the next couple of months. Oh,
2: Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs> that is coming, I and mean, I've been uh, trying to work, try to go. Rob and I from Cinemodities have been trying to figure out the logistics of that, and after spending many weeks trying to figure it out, we still haven't really cracked it yet. But uh, maybe 2019 we'll finally get to that. Maybe.
2: Maybe 2019. Yeah, not, not, not going to try to sabotage that in any way.
0: No, no, no.
2: Zanger's just not available for week after week. Zanger, don't you want to be part of the podcast? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't exist anymore.
0: I have to wash my hair. Again? Yeah, I wash <laughs> have to keep it clean. Th- thursdays at 9.30 is uh, hair-washing time now. Oh, dear. But uh, no, so uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. And if you're listening to this sometime in July when you've discovered the podcast, happy Thanksgiving in July. Eat some turkey. Have some pumpkin pie. Chances are you'll be able to find turkey and pumpkin pie somewhere, no matter what time you're listening to this.
2: But good luck finding that uh, pumpkin spice latte.
0: Oh, yes. No pumpkin spice latte in July. But the good
2: news is there will still be Christmas stuff available at your local stores.
0: Exactly. They'll be putting away the, the Halloween stuff. And you'll be already, to yes. Already, already in July, yes. Uh, Christmas in July is actually a real thing now, but hey, who's who's counting the months? Uh, but that aside, though, today, today's episode is defending Return of the Jedi. It's the 35th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. You wouldn't know it because nobody's really talking about it. It's one of those weird things in the Star Wars anniversary... Space Where it seems in Star Wars fandom we only celebrate the anniversaries that end in a zero, whether it be 10, 20, 30, or 40th anniversary. I remember when like, Attack of the Clones turned 15, nobody cared. When Phantom Menace turned 15, nobody cared. Uh, when New Hope turned 35, nobody cared. It's one of those odd things where we only celebrate the, the anniversaries in zero, but we figure considering that Return of the Jedi, and I think Zenger would share the sentiment with me, it seems like every single time people arbitrarily decide which Star Wars films are ranked highest, Return of the Jedi seems to get lower and lower every time.
2: Would you agree mm-hmm. with that, Zenger? I would. It even happens on my list, but but yeah. Don't ask me to do a definitive list right now off the top of my head. It changes from time to time, and I'm pretty sure Zing did an episode on it at some point.
0: Oh, I believe that. But I don't like I don't I think rankings are arbitrary. It's kind of like, okay, what does that mean? This this time at this point when it comes to Star Wars fans, it's just easier to say, name the films that you don't like. Because usually those outnumber the ones they do like. So with that being said, in preparation for this episode, as everybody knows, there's a lot of different nonsense that surrounds the last no, last Jedi. Uh Return of the Jedi So Those movies that end in Jedi just are troublemakers. We just can't get rid of them. As everybody knows, there's kind of like a what would you call it, Zenger? Kind of like, uh, not cynicism, but there is this level of just kind of contempt that swirls around Return of the Jedi now.
2: Yeah, you know? I can I, I can get on board with that.
0: Yeah, and the problem, though, is that it, it's really hard to get a firm grasp on it because a lot of people rank Jedi low, but nobody has a specific reason other than Ewoks. That's kind of the, the catch-all. It's like, oh, I don't like Ewoks. Two out of ten stars. It's like, well, okay, there goes that movie all the hard work that went into it. Sorry, special effects person who spent eight months building a costume. You get a two out of ten because someone didn't like the Ewoks. So Get them out of here. Get them out of here. No Ewoks allowed. Take two Ewoks and sew them together and make a giant Wookiee.
2: As they were supposed to be originally.
0: Yes. And actually, in next week's episode, you'll hear Rob and I delve into that. But enough of uh, hinting about what's to come. So in preparation for this, Zenger and I watched a video called Return of the Jedi, Why It Sucks. It's... I'll link My to kid it. kid was show. angry. Yeah, the guy, the guy in the, the video is definitely... Uh, I think he's, he's mostly incoherent. and He doesn't have any sort of uh, logical progression in his arguments, though. But the account is from a The Cosmonaut Variety Hour. The reason why I picked this video is because it has almost a million views. So, clearly, it's one of the focal points in the Not Must Star Wars Return of the Jedi edition. Mm-hmm. And... So I have to ask Zenger, do you – oh, before we can delve into this guy's video, and we're not picking on him. We're not trying to say – he's entitled to his opinion. We're just kind of using him because obviously – His wrong he, opinion. <laughs> Remember, folks, Zenger, Zenger said it, not me. But before we get into that, I just want to say, Zenger, what is your opinion on Return of the Jedi? Like, um, what's your – I know there's an entire episode of Zenger that's devoted to that, so people should check that out if they want in-depth opinion. Yeah, that
2: was, that was almost a year ago now. Wow. I know. Time flies when you're having fun. That was that. Yeah, I know that 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 was over a year ago now, because that was in September of last year. Wow, Zingus is getting old, um, <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, no, I mean I, my 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 opinions on Star Wars fluctuate from time to time. I mean, there's there's certain things that are through and through for me at all times, but as for the original trilogy, this one ranks low for me. But. It has, up until um, Rogue One came out, one of the best Starfighter battles in the Star Wars franchise, and in basically sci-fi for a long time. The battle over Endor is amazing.
0: Yeah, I I think there's uh, many reasons why for that. But my thoughts on it, uh, when I was growing up, Return of the Jedi was my favorite of the original trilogy. I was one of those kids who thought Empire was boring. A New Hope was fun, but I've always gravitated to sequels more than the original. I always appreciate the original for kind of laying the groundwork, though, but I think the sequels are where you can have fun with the characters because you don't have all that heavy lifting of, okay, we have to set up who this character is or who these characters are and we who they are, blah, blah, blah. It's like why they're on the journey, like putting them on the journey. I guess I I hate movies where we have to start the journey. Um, that's why I kind of like something like the Phantom Menace because it's just like, oh, just throw them into the deep end immediately. They'll figure it out in due time. They'll so get always, it. Yeah. So I, I've always, I've always had fascination with the Return of the Jedi in that sense. Over time, I've kind of uh, cooled on it. It's, it's. I, I don't like ranking Star Wars films. Like I said, uh, everybody knows the Last Jedi as of now is my favorite Star Wars film, and even before then, it was Revenge of the Sith. I know at one point I kind of flirted with Rogue One being my favorite. And I still love that film, but I think that film has a very weak second act. And the first act, first act is really good, but the second act really slows that film down. But Return of the Jedi, the more and more I watch it, I find it a very peculiar film. Because it starts off really strong, which is one of the uh, major talking points of this guy's video. I don't know what we're, we're going to call him. There, do you have a name for this guy in the video? Do you have a cute little name for him?
2: Angry Star Wars nerd,
0: Zanger. Come on, that 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 title describes most of the fan base at this point.
2: Too soon? Okay. Um, no, it's not,
0: not specific enough. We need like a specific number, like Angry Star Wars fan two million six hundred ninety
2: five thousand two hundred eight. That'll
0: work. Angry Star Wars fan one one three eight.
2: Yes, yes. There we go.
0: See, folks, we're
2: clever. by the way, for a quick um, for a quick aside. And I, I know this this is just going to have Zach banging his head against the wall. I'm currently playing a campaign in, Dunge- in D&D right now. And um, since my character is familiar with the enemy, it keeps on popping up that my character is the one that has to talk to them. And every time we're, we're caught like, trying to free people because we're in their base, and every time I respond with, oh, we're um, here to do a cell block transfer from to 1128, Every single time, it, that that is always the first words out of my mouth, and then I have to roll for deception.
0: Nerd. At this point, I think I should have like like a a soundboard on my computer. Every time he does one of these, just push the the Simpsons
2: nerd yeah. clip. I
0: I feel like I've worn that clip out at this point. The amount of times I use it,
2: I and just he, I, I'm just really proud of myself for for that. I I continuously use that joke every single time it's yeah yeah we need to transfer this prisoner to cell block 1138 and i just stare blankly until they're like whatever just move on <laughs> and what that's coming from my dm who's like this is dumb this is th- th- this is this is dumb for this being dumb
0: and and when you say dm you mean dungeon master not direct message right yes see you got to clarify that for the kids these days singer
2: I, I'm I'm very proud you knew that. That's, that's people very are gonna be so
0: confused when you hear when they hear you say you're sliding into your DMs and they think like, oh, he's sliding into the DMs. No, he's sliding into the dungeon master.
2: Yes, it was that's currently not 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 very happy with me.
0: Can we go back? Can we go back to Return of the Jedi?
2: Nah. <laughs> okay. We,
0: sure. We, 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 I think we should have a little sound effect every time Zenger puts us on a
2: tangent. diddle-a-loo.
0: What's the name of the zinger that leans back in the chair? Uh, was it executive? Oh, boardroom the um,
2: no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Board boardroom zinger. Boardroom pitch, zinger. We need pitchman zinger.
0: Pitchman zinger. We need like a, a music cue, like a slide whistle for every time zinger. Like we slide down the tangent, something like that. Uh, anyway, that Return of the Jedi. Uh, one of the complaints that I think this in this video, this guy, it's a twenty minute long video. You probably don't need to watch it.
2: He's uh, very angry.
0: Yeah, he's very angry. He's very flustered. It's like like every Star Wars fan. I think it's interesting in all these like Star Wars YouTube videos. And I think this was made before the Last Jedi was out, so there's no ranting and raving about that. Yeah, May 2017. So there's no ranting about the Last Jedi.
2: He he, he was waiting for it. This was his build up to <laughs> that point.
0: I wonder if this guy made a video on the Last Jedi. It's worth seeing. It's funny that film has become a great litmus test for whether someone's whether the mindset of that particular Star Wars fan. But he says one of the points he makes in this video is that Return of the Jedi is a boring movie. You could say that's pretty much his thesis of the entire video is that Jedi Who is, is a
2: this guy? Go find movie. him. I want to talk to him. By the way, if anyone can find him, I'd love to have him on the show.
0: Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. No, we're taking we're not we're not picking uh basically uh singling him out We're just using him because obviously uh, clearly with almost 2 million or with almost one million views, clearly his message is resonating with people. So there must be some fans out there that share his thoughts, or even worse, they're just adopting his thoughts without thinking for themselves.
2: Think ass. for yourselves, people.
0: Yes, please. Do do not just consume opinions. Uh, like, uh but, let them except for, ours. Except for ours. No, no, no. I've, I've gone on record before telling people not to listen to me at all. It's like it's like just just digest. That's a what good I have idea though. Say. Yes, just, just digest what I have to say then make up your own opinion. Please, do not adopt my opinion. I am a jerk. Uh, chances are I'm wrong most of the time. Do not listen to me. So I have to ask, Xander, do you think Return of the Jedi is boring?
2: It has its weak points, but technically, if you really wanted me to boil it down, almost all of the Star Wars movies have weak points where it kind of drags. It's just I feel like in time, Jedi's have been more... Flushed out because there is a second act like dip, and then it comes back up. In my opinion, yeah, and it's uh, not the walks 100. It's kind of there's no it kind of derails for a little bit, even though it is emphasized with an awesome speeder chase.
0: Well, I think even before I think the movie starts to lose steam the moment we cut away from uh, from Luke on Dagobah. I think you go from that moment all the way, pretty much, I'd say, until they start attacking the Death Star, that even though there are, there's some good moments, you know, like again, uh, they're all on the the Mon Calamari ship, and they're talking about the attack on Endor. You have, like Zenger said, the the speeder bike chase, which is really interesting that when I rewatched Jedi for this, I was shocked at how disengaged I was during that scene, I don't know why. I feel like that's that's one of those scenes where I'm really kind of indifferent toward it now, which is kind of sad.
2: But... Well, the speeder I, chase is great.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't know. I think so many things have borrowed... I think Star Wars has borrowed from that so much because speeder chases are just so easy to do. Like, how many times did Rebels do a speeder chase? I kind of lost track. Like, how many times they'd be doing They were like They that.
2: were contractually obligated for once per episode. <laughs>
0: The official uh, speeder bike company sponsored every, each yep. episode of uh, Rebels. Yep, yep. I agree with the fact. I think I said most Star Wars, fa- uh, Star Wars films have a point where they kind of start to they lose momentum for a bit. It's a, it's like Rogue One has that problem. Attack of the Clones, I think that's most of the film.
1: It's uh, <laughs> the second
0: the second act that slows down. Revenge of the Sith has the whole part where it's like, oh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff happening. It's like, oh, God, it's like Anakin's on Coruscant doing stuff. And Obi-Wan's on Utapau, but it's like, oh, okay, like, this is exciting, but not too exciting. But in the video, the guy says that basically, like, the entire movie is, is a drag. And he cites things like Jabba's Palace, and he says... The yeah, Obi-
2: ridiculous... Okay, sorry, I'm I'm going to keep my mouth shut for a little bit, because that's ridiculous.
0: Well, exactly. I think this, like, if I had to pick my favorite part of this entire movie, I would say that it's the Jabba's Palace Han Solo rescue. I know in recent years that the Luke's plan, or I guess, whatever you wanna call it, the, our, our hero's plan to rescue Han is one of those things now where people are screaming, that's a massive plot
1: hole. Now my biggest, biggest issues that I have with this movie happen in the very first act, Han's rescue at Jabba's palace. Here's the problem I have with this whole opening arc. Other than it being really, really unexciting for some reason, Luke's plan? is so convoluted and it relies on way too much stuff happening. His plan had absolutely no right actually working. Now, if you guys don't remember, here's exactly what happens. First, he sends R2-D2 and C-3PO to Jabba with a recording of him asking for an opportunity to bargain for Han's life. As an offer of goodwill, he apparently is giving R2-D2 and C-3PO to Jabba. Jabba decides, uh, yeah, no, f*** that, and he keeps the droids anyway. Luke then sends Leia, disguised as a bounty hunter, to turn in Chewbacca as a bounty. Then she threatens him with this bomb so that he gives her more money for the bounty. Why? I don't know. I'll get to this later. Anyway, then she stays overnight so that she can thaw Han out of the Carbonite, but then she gets captured herself. So now everyone in Luke's crew is captured. So Luke goes to the palace himself, steals a gun, and tries to shoot Jabba in the f***ing face. Then he falls down a trap door, fights a meatball monster. I'm not even going to talk about this because the Rancor fight is actually the only exciting thing that happens in the sequence, so we're just going to leave that alone. But now Luke is captured as well, so Jabba decides to kill them all by throwing them into the Sarlacc pit. All right. So first of all, why did he give C-3PO to Jabba 2? C-3PO doesn't even know the plan. Why wouldn't he at least tell him the plan if he's supposed to be a part of it? Wouldn't it risk your plan going horribly wrong by not telling one of your friends about it? I guess people would be upset if C-3PO wasn't there. Sure, whatever. It should also be noted that 3PO is fitted with the restraining bolt, which means that if Luke let him in on the plan and needed him to do something really important, He wouldn't have been able to. Restraining bolts make it so that droids can't disobey orders. Yeah, you can check the facts on Wikipedia or you can just watch A New Hope where they're used for the first time. Also, what if they put a bolt on R2? Then I guess he wouldn't have been able to give you your lightsaber. Wait a minute, why don't they put a bolt on R2? They explicitly don't do it for no reason. Secondly, what was Leia's plan with the thermal detonator? Jabba isn't stupid. They say multiple times that he is a very cunning individual. Mind tricks don't even work on the guy. So what if he was like, uh, okay, just use the fucking grenade, you idiot. You'll kill everybody and then you're not gonna get paid. You fucking moron. It's not like the detonator is even used again in the movie. It's not like a Chekhov's gun or anything. It's just forgotten about the grenade's gone. Don't worry about it. Why does she even need more money from Jabba? This serves no purpose. I don't understand why this is here. Thirdly, does this whole plan hinge on the idea that these events will happen exactly in the sequence that they occur? Can Luke see the fucking future? The way that Luke is nodding at everybody in this scene, it makes me think that this is exactly what he wanted to happen. How the fuck could he have known that Jabba would capture them all, keep them alive, drive them out to the desert with all of his friends on the sand skiff, and feed them to a giant monster in the sand? Who the fuck can predict all of that? You must be really good at chess, Luke. Like, what if Jabba just killed him in a way that doesn't allow you to have an open brawl with everybody? What if he just tortured them, or disintegrated them? Because we've seen that he's fully capable of doing both of those things. What's stopping him from killing everyone before Luke gets there? What if he decided not to bring R2 on the sand skiff? Then you don't get a lightsaber. What if somebody died? Also, was Luke's endgame just to start fighting everybody? He doesn't even go for Jabba himself. What if Leia was incapable of overpowering this hulking monster? You had a lot of faith in your unarmed, naked sister. Leia has proven before that yeah, she's pretty badass, but what if her fight had been any more difficult? She kills him in a room full of his friends and colleagues, and no one tries to stop her. I mean I guess she beats him anyway, so whatever. It doesn't matter I guess. Here's the thing, if Luke was just planning on a full frontal assault, Why not just whip out the lightsaber right from the very beginning in the palace? Like, don't send anybody else in, just fight everybody on your own because obviously you can handle them all. That was never really a concern of his. Now don't say, oh, well, Luke wouldn't do that because it's not the Jedi way. He's murdering these people. Now to top all this off, Boba Fett dies like a Yes, I said he dies because as far as the new canon is concerned, he's dead as Not only does he get killed by Han on accident, He screams like a wuss and then gets eaten by a horrifying hentai monster that burps cartoonishly afterwards. How embarrassing! In the last movie, there's a really cool scene where Boba gets the jump on Luke. Luke is like sneaking around Cloud City when BAM! Boba Fett out of nowhere. But it's not out of nowhere. In the previous shot, if you look in the background, you can see when Luke unholsters his blaster, Boba hears him and turns his head. He was ready for his ass. He is fully prepared. But none of that coolness is present in this movie. So that's the first third of the movie. And aside from some cool stuff, it pretty much sucked. I know- I Is it? The,
0: well, okay, I'm gonna lay this out real quick. Cause I know there's a guy, there there was a entertainment blogger or, 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 or entertainment journalist movie blogger. I think his name is Mike Ryan. He's, he's worked pretty much at all the Film blogs. or I don't think it's ever worked for one of the trades. But I think he wrote an article for Vox or one of those other conscious kind of disposable glorified gossip sites or just glorified internet sites. And he did an article, something titled like Luke's Plan for Rescuing Han Makes No Sense. I know a couple of years ago or whenever he wrote that, that was a huge, like in the Star Wars community, that got shared a lot. And it's like I think he had some. It got some ridiculous amount of like retweets and stuff. And his like his and it was a clever again, clever marketing. But it was like if somebody can explain, uh, if you if you can explain Luke's plan in Return of the Jedi, then you then something something you're not a real Star Wars fan. It was, some, it was some gimmick like that. It's like if you can explain it, then you you're just making things up or you're an apologist. And this guy in the video does that to a certain extent, where he's like. Oh, what what was Luke's plan in rescuing Han? And he goes through all these points. It's like I, I don't know about you guys. And again, it's like it's a movie. It's up to interpretation by anybody any way they want. Even when that stupid article was shared, like I mentioned, I never understood how people couldn't understand Luke's uh, rescue plan. The whole point of that is that Luke is trying. Okay, or at least my interpretation of it is Luke's trying to get all the players, as in his friends, into Jabba's palace in inconspicuous ways. Again, he gets R2 and C-3PO in there, even though C-3PO really doesn't do anything. Um, I uh, guess first set- he
2: gets Lando in there, technically.
0: Well, yeah, but we don't see that, though.
2: But it's assumed.
0: Well, it's assumed. He's there because we see him in the uh, the costume, in the Tobias Beckett costume.
2: Yeah. Take That's that R2. for you, Solo Solo fan. <laughs>
0: See, now Zegger made a solo, solo joke. <laughs> I remember I did those all during uh, June. R2 has to get in there, obviously, to get Luke, to smuggle in Luke's lightsaber. 3PO is there, I guess, because he has to because he's the main character. But he also convincingly sells the illusion of it all. The reason why Leia comes in as a bounty hunter... I don't is, think
2: C-3PO knows that he's supposed to go there.
0: No, he doesn't, but he sells the illusion of the fact that this is all real because he's not like... He, he, he,
2: because he, he it's really go. happening to him.
0: Yeah. So where R two obviously knows the plan, three PO doesn't. The reason why Leia's in there in the in the disguise and Chewbacca is that it gets Chewbacca is away in there. So when Han is eventually rescued from Carbonite and imprisoned, there'll be somebody to tell Han Solo the plan. Because everybody remembers in the film when Han Solo is is thrown into the uh, cell, it's Chewie who's there basically waiting for him. And it's obviously he has a little bickering with Chewie. He's like, Jedi Knight? Like, I'm just out of it for a little while. Everyone starts having delusions of grandeur. So Chewie basically briefs Han Solo on the plan. And then Leia gets captured. And guess what? Luke probably knew, or at least understood what was going on with Jabba, that if a pretty woman was captured by this giant criminal space slug, he'd probably make her a uh, a slave pet. Or obviously put her in a a stripper costume and make her parade around. And so guess what? That would put Leia in close proximity to Jabba. So if something were to happen or when the plan does go off, she'd be right there to kind of cause chaos right in the, in Jabba's immediate circle. And then once uh, Luke shows up, the reason why Luke calls causes the disruption that he does, whether he, by the reason why he doesn't just, because in the video, the guy's like, why doesn't Luke just take out his lightsaber, and just start swinging it and killing everybody. And it's like, well, A, there's no, again, keep in mind, folks, this is a movie. You do want some creative flourish. We just don't want Friday the 13th, but instead of Jason, it's Luke Skywalker with a lightsaber. The whole point of Luke doing this is, again, Luke has to be captured as well, because once Jabba has Luke, Han, and Chewie in his thing, or in his grasp, he can't, it's not going to be fun. Again, think about Jabba is a, uh, what's the word? Uh, over the top crime lord. He's not just going to take these guys out back and shoot them. He has to make it embellish their deaths. So he brings them to the Starlight. Sorry,
2: I, I just I just want that to happen now that way.
0: Is that a Star Wars movie where people take them out back and shot?
2: Yeah, that, that that that's what happens instead. Like Luke's like, oh, I've got them right where I want them, and then he's like, yeah, let's take taking out back and shoot. Wait, what? Wait, what? I you, know, you don't want to
0: contingency for that.
2: You don't want to do this to us, Jabba. Nah. This
0: isn't, the ex- this isn't the execution you planned. The whole point of also the Sarlacc pit is that guess what? When think about it, before all this, this is all taking place in Jabba's palace, and now by having them all go to the Sarlacc pit, you're putting Jabba on the sail barge, which isn't very big, with a couple of skiffs of henchmen and whatnot. So when Luke's plan does initiate, guess what? half their reinfo- half of Jabba's a job as goons and guards are gone because they're back at the palace. So it, it creates an easy way for the plan to go off and job- basically it cuts off any sort of reinforcements job it might have. And then while this is going on, considering that we have the the, the great musical sting of Really, it's the camera pans around to all the characters, whether it be Luke, Lando, three R two D two, Leia, and Lando. Obviously, Han's out of the loop, and, and but Chewie's there. Should've,
2: it should it should have just panned to Han at some point, just looking <laughs> off in the wrong direction? I feel like that's been done somewhere. I think
0: he does that in the movie,
2: which and, is actual um, Harrison Ford on set that day, of him just being just like, "Is this over? Can I leave?"
0: one thing I gotta give this guy credit for in this YouTube video is that he does a couple of really great close-ups on Harrison Ford's expression during this movie there were some really priceless re- like reaction shots of Harrison Ford like during certain scenes like I, I I think I know I think we joked about it in the holiday special episode where we're like you can tell the exact moment when Harrison Ford stopped caring about Star Wars I think you can definitely see it in this too where Harrison Ford just royally gave up. The whole thing with the Jabba's um, palace thing, though, is that think about it, when the plan goes off, without, or before they even get to the Sarlacc pit, when Han and Luke are talking, Luke says to him, just stay close to Lando. So clearly this isn't just an improvised plan. There is something, there, there there's machinations there as to what Luke's trying to accomplish from all this. But the thing that always kind of baffles me and maybe this is probably not exclusive to the guy who made this video, but a larger problem with YouTube. But this guy made a 20 minute long video called why return of the Jedi sucks edited together. It probably took at least a couple hours to do yet. He doesn't understand, or he can't even piece together the fundamentals of this, of what's going on here. And I can't, I can certain things like I've complained in the past about like midnight's edge or Grace Randolph, where they'll just either uh, outright embellish or even lie about certain things for for views and clicks. A guy like this, like, the points that he's making, and like Zanger said, he's very hostile and angry. I don't think this is being done. It's not hyperbole for the sake of uh, entertainment value. I think it's hyperbole because he's ignorant. And I don't know how you can spend this much time putting a video together like this and not understand the basics of just, oh, maybe, like considering this is, is a movie that people had to actually put time and thought into, maybe not every single thing on screen that I don't understand is an arbitrary decision.
2: Maybe. Yeah, maybe.
0: you think that'd be exhausting after a while, that every single time you don't understand something, you think it's an arbitrary decision on someone else's part?
2: Meh. <laughs>
0: All right, Zenger's disengaged from this.
2: No, um, I, I'm, I'm engaged,
0: I just... He's rolling a twenty for this for his DM.
2: Yes, I am.
0: Going back to the whole point of the rescue of Han Solo, I think that's where this film shines. In a way, I feel this movie kind of is like almost different between like the Han Solo rescue and the rest of it. It feels like two very different movies. In that, once we see Luke go off the Dagobah and we see that the Falcon's going off to rendezvous with the fleet. It's like, oh, this is like, like it feels like, okay, the movie is making a very serious left turn from what it was originally starting as. And clearly, obviously, they had to rescue Han Solo because you need to get him back. I know they they put him in carbonite because they didn't know what Harrison Ford was going to do, like if he was going to come back. Cause I think he only signed on for two films with the first one. It feels like somebody wrote had, had drafted the script initially.
2: And through rewrites, we got... By Um. By the way, by... don doesn't know what to do. They meant he's trying to land his plane on the lot. We've all seen what happens when he tries to land a plane anywhere. By the way, just as a side note, if there was a terrible accident involving him in between the time that this was recorded and when it was released, I apologize for the bad timing of that statement.
0: Zenger, who had a rougher landing? Han Solo... Alden Ehrenreich in solo during the Kessel Run, or Harrison Ford on the golf course?
2: Well, when he, when Harrison Ford landed, did he scream out four as he crashed? <laughs> if that's the case, then I'm sorry. He's good. Oh, clever singer. That was clever. Thank uh, you. F- five comedy points.
0: Yes. Uh. uh so. So but like I said with like so Zenger, what are your thoughts on the beginning? Like do you like is it hard to understand Luke's plan in this movie, or is this just a narrative to attack Return of the
2: Jedi? Um, okay. Alright, we're gonna play a little game here. Who has the more convoluted plan? Does Luke Skywalker or does Emperor Palpatine do the entire trilogy a prequel trilogy? That's supposed to be all all his, like, perfect plan of what he's doing, allegedly. Allegedly. Is, is that everything that's happening in that movie is all going according to his, like, ultimate plan? I am sorry. I call bullcrap on that before I call bullcrap on the other one. I'm just throwing that out there.
0: Well, that's the weird thing about Return of the Jedi, too, is that there's the point when – obviously they're flying toward the endor moon on the stolen imperial shuttle and vader's there and looks like oh i uh, i've put the mission in danger i shouldn't have come and then vader goes to the emperor to tell him that a uh, a contingent of rebels are aboard the endor moon and the emperor is like i told you to wait on the command ship and it's like and he's like you got a small band of rebels and the emperor's like i know and it's like Wait, like, like that, that is a point the guy makes in the video, where it's like, like Zenger said, "What, what was Palpy's point? Like, like was there a point to all this? Like, I know he's eventually uh, Palpy's or Palps' is whole goal in the movie is to make Luke his new apprentice." Question mark? No, I think that's his goal because numerous times in the third act, he's like, "I, am, you will strike your father down and take his place at my side." I think that's what palpatine's ultimate goal was ironically they have not made that a a, i don't know zinger you read the comics has has palpatine ever made that into a thing like in any of the recent comics
2: um it's made very clear to vader that he's um kind of a placeholder for the emperor that the emperor wants somebody who's more that vader's a flawed pupil of his and that basically he keeps vader around as because vader's killed off people in the comics that the Emperor's shown favor towards, because he's like, uh, no, I'm not going to compete with this person. Hmm. Okay.
0: That's, that's interesting. I didn't know
2: that.
0: Yep. We might even do another, another uh, episode, like maybe once they release, like, I think the, isn't the Vader comic coming to an end soon? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, keep my
2: finger vaguely on the pulse of that.
0: All right. Because I, know, like, I, I, think I, I run
2: over and check to make sure it's not dead. And then, Promptly wander away.
0: Well, because I know I have because I really wanted to read that though. But I don't believe in spending like five dollars an issue. Like I, I think that's ridiculous for maybe like twelve pages of of story. It sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the prices of Marvel comics, and so i But I know they're going to release it in the collection. I know within a couple of months, those collections go from like twenty five dollars to about thirteen or so. So I, I really want to pick one, like pick those up once it, it's finished its run. Because there are a lot of stuff in there about, like, this kind of the, the, the inner turmoil of the Empire during its early days. Oh, it's it's
2: very interesting.
0: Yeah, it's definitely got the some stuff. interesting artwork, too. Because I know I've seen the picture of, like, Vader coming out of the water, things yeah. like that. Uh, but, no, that's interesting, Zanger. I did not know that the fact that Vader's essentially a tem- uh, temporary placeholder for Palpy. Yeah,
2: him that. getting lit on fire was not part of the plan. Just saying. Palpy did not see that coming. Nope. I have not foreseen that.
0: So, Zanger, so you basically, you think that Return of the Jedi Luke is not that off. Like, it's not, it's not like a convoluted Inception-level plan. I I now
2: want it explained in the same way, like, uh, Ocean's 12 is done, where it's got, like, the music going over it, and he's explained to everyone all the moves they have to make and all this crazy crap they have to do. Alright, here's how we begin. First task, reconnaissance. I want to know everything that's going on in all three casinos, from the rotation of the dealers to the path of every cash card. I want to know everything about every guard, every watcher, anyone with a security Man, pass. I, oh, yeah. I wanna know where they're from, what their nicknames are, how they take their coffee. She's a dancer at the Crazy Horse too. She's putting her away from medical school. I think she really likes me. Sure. Most of all Want you guys to know these casinos. Built as labyrinths to keep people in. I want you guys to know the quick routes out. You went
1: through at 1044. 1046. Get a watch that works.
0: Second task, power. On the night of the fight, we're gonna
2: throw the switch on Sin City. Basher, it's your show.
0: You want broke, blind,
2: or bedlam? How about yeah. all three?
0: Right, it's done. So after they rescue Han Solo, and
2: you okay, I'm just gonna say this: you gotta suspend some disbelief. If you went through every move being pointed out, like how this plan worked, and I agree, I feel like he was just setting up people in the in there to have.
0: Yeah, like I think that's what it's like. If you're gonna pull a con job like that against a criminal gangster, you gotta have people on the inside.
2: A lot of them, too.
0: Especially when you have a bunch of bounty hunters and things like that. Because I know if you look in Jabba's Palace... uh, That's all it is. Well, yeah, you have, like... But, like, even Dengar's there. You can see Dengar in the background. And yet a lot of these bounty hunters aren't there. The only one I think that is there beyond just henchmen is Boba Fett. We all know what happens to him. Tell us about the rescue of Han Solo Singer, or can we move on?
2: We we, we can move on. I mean, like, like I said, I think it's not the worst thing ever shown to us. Is it the best thing? Eh. Jedi,
0: or, or or just that one sequence?
2: The, that, the, 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 the sequence, I think, is fun.
0: I agree. But going back to the claim, kind of, I guess this guy's whole thesis, once again, is about the fact of the film being boring. And one of the parts that really bugs me, and probably one of my favorite parts beyond just any scenes with the Emperor, is when Luke goes back to Dagobah. I absolutely just I love like this the spirit, like the force, mystical, spiritual, spiritual nature of Yoda's last moments Mm -hmm. in the real world. Whether it be the music, and I think the it's probably it has to be a different puppet, but I think the puppet in Return of the Jedi is much more emotive and just. It's not soft in a bad way, but just much more relaxed. It's much more... Oh, God, I'm trying to think of the right the right phrase to use. But it feels much more human. It feels much more like... I guess in Empire, we're being introduced to Yoda. So it is this a little bit just... I guess ice has to be broken. Or just like, Yoda's much more of a teacher in that sequence, so there is a little bit more of a, a stiff rigidness to him. Yet... In Jedi, he's no longer the teacher. He's an old. He's basically an old man on his deathbed, quite literally in certain certain yeah. moments of that. And I think there is such a, a a calming spiritualness to Yoda that in in those scenes that we don't get in any other point of the Star Wars saga, where you really get the spiritual nature of the Force that you only get brief glimpses of throughout the entire Star Wars saga. I think those last few moments where is just trying to explain Luke, his place in the galaxy, once he leaves. Again, the the, the infamous line of, after me, the, the last Jedi you will be. And I think that's such a, a again, that is a uh, spine-tingling moment. And I think even like now, considering where we are with the last Jedi, and that considering that Luke was, even beyond that, ended up being the last Jedi because even though even though obviously we all know Luke's comments at the end of the last Jedi it's the idea of Luke is the end of the Jedi order in the sense of what we know it today because whatever Rey decides to do in episode 9 even though it's going to be uh, the, the Jedi order of Luke in the Yoda era will bedrock it it will be something new And I think there is this kind of just like this this gravitas. I guess that's the correct term. There is this gravitas in those scenes on Dagobah that really you don't get any other time in Star Wars. And in a way, it almost doesn't fit in with the rest of the film. I wish the rest of the film had that same level of gravitas because even like when they're they're doing the stuff on Endor and the attack on the second Death Star, I don't get that like that feeling. Like you you lose that spirituality and maybe that's maybe just the power of Dagobah as a planet in the Star Wars universe, whether it be an Empire Jedi or the Clone Wars, the final season, or I don't know, the lost missions now that we have Clone Wars saved. I feel that maybe that is exclusive to Dagobah. That's that's a very spiritually rich planet. Maybe that's how it translates the film. But even though even then a little bit of that is lost when Obi-Wan shows up. Because I'm not sure if, like, Al Guinness was, like, constipated that day when they filmed that, though, but he just does not look happy to be there. Like, that seems like an actor that was contractually obligated to be in that scene. Because it's just, like, it, 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 you look at the Obi-Wan from A New Hope, and even though Obi-Wan's very briefly in Empire, like, there is a, just, like, a, a oh, God, just a, like, bitterness to Obi-Wan in his scenes in Jedi like it's not this
2: like, it's You're telling like, me I have to do what <laughs> where did i sign on the contract for that uh huh uh huh Bull.
0: oh man we are have to bleep that <laughs> we're not in the christian server anymore so maybe not even when we you look at like it's i think it's, i've always been fascinated by that sequence in in jedi that I guess it's assumed, unless... I don't think there's any comics that take place between Empire and Jedi. I don't think there's any media that takes place between those yet. And
2: you'd think Luke would be a
0: little... What?
2: There's the whole um, Shadows of the Empire, but that's not canon now.
0: The point I'm trying to make is that... Think about it. Luke interacts with a Force ghost in Empire with Obi-Wan. Just slightly, because Obi-Wan's just kind of off in the distance. And Luke doesn't seem to be bothered by this. Think about it. In Jedi, he he sits which I know it's kind of a meme at this point, but it's the fact that like when Obi-Wan sits down the log and someone's like, wow, apparently Force Ghosts get tired. And Luke's never seemed to be it's not bothered. I guess bothered's not the really the right term, but it's like Luke's never been intrigued by the fact that he's interacting with someone who just kind of disappeared before his eyes. Like that. Yep. That's that's never been a thing in Star Wars because I know that I, I, we all know that point from Revenge of the Sith where Yoda tells Obi Wan, "I'll I'll teach you how to communicate with your old master." Obi Wan has that moment where it's like you cut Qui Gon, and it's like, "Oh, okay." Like there is some enthusiasm there. Where Luke's like, "Oh, I'm talking to a ghost." Whatever. Okay. It, it's like no big deal. I talk to ghosts all the time. And but, what abs? What abs? Sanger, anything about that Dagobah sequence that you'd like to highlight or
2: I I, I liked it. I thought it was a nice kind of capper to the Empire scenes. That kind of capped off a lot of stuff that was set up in the in Empire.
0: Well, I, I think what's really even a touching moment, and, and it's one of those moments you really don't notice until you like you've watched Jedi a handful of times, is that once again Yoda disappears, uh fades, the fades into nothing, the blanket just kind of compresses downward. And we see Luke out like we see R2 D two working on, on his X Wing. And we see Luke just kinda like go over the R2. And he looks at Yoda's little hut and we slowly see the fire that was inside keeping the hut warm. And it slowly just extinguishes itself because it's just run out of whoever whoever Yoda was using for kindling. And it's like that that's such a sad moment. Like this this fire that was burning in this little hut in the middle of nowhere on this more or less
2: can't toss any more younglings on it.
0: (laughs) Where did um, (laughs) that?
2: Well, this got morbid real quick.
0: Uh, Zenger took this entire, like, moment (laughs) I'm trying to build up to about just, like, the sentimentality, the fact that Yoda's, like, gone, and that just kind of shows, like, the the extinguished, like, think about Yoda was the last of the Jedi, and now that's gone. And and, and Zenger makes a joke about throwing younglings on the fire. You could have said even Jawas. There was no Jawas (laughs) to throw on the fire. Oh God. oh God! You're happy now, Zanger, You undercooked. You know what, folks? You know what? It's, it's all a mess. It's all there's the sentimentality's the sentimentality nonsense. Oh dear. Uh, but no, I, I've always like I, I really the more and more times I watch Jedi, that the whole Dagobah sequence is really one of my probably my favorite sequence in the entire film, and maybe even one of my favorite sequences in all of Star Wars. All of it. All of it. But there's one thing. I was listening to as I rewatched it. I listened to the dialogue. In that sequence, and maybe I can put it in here for everyone to hear it, is that when Yoda says, Luke makes the comment saying, like, Master Yoda, you can't die. And Yoda says, I'm not powerful enough for that.
1: Soon will I rest. Yes.
0: Forever sleep. Mm. (sighs) Who did I have? (sighs) Master Yoda, you can't die. Strong am I with the force, but not that strong. Considering that Episode Nine, and we all know the the outrage over Luke dying, could that be an end to bringing Luke back?
2: Boo! No, no,
0: I'm not. I'm not asking asking whether you like it. I'm asking. No,
2: I'm I'm responding. Office.
0: Boo. Boo earns.
2: Yes, boo earns. Boo, Urn. Urns. boo
0: They're not saying boo, they're saying
2: boo earns. I was saying boo earns. Smithies, this, are they booing me? Nah, no, they're saying boo earns. Boo
0: earns. Are you saying boo or boo, boo! I was saying boo earns. Oh, you mole man. Dinger, like, thoughts. Like, that is a, we know that, like, we heard from Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith, and then Yoda says it. I'm not powerful to do that. I'm not powerful enough, I mean. Is that the door open for bringing Luke back? And we all know J.J.'s going to be a slave to Jedi. We know he, it's just going to be the template. They're going to try to have that, they're going to try to have their cake and eat it too. Is that the door? Cause, because guess what? They can go back and point to that and say, see, it was in the original trilogy, so we can use it. And that would be oh, something gosh. that. And, and I do want it on record, too, that in that Legends of Luke Skywalker book that came out last December, and I highly urge all of you, go read that book if you want to understand Luke Skywalker.
2: All right, I'll, I'll be right back.
0: Yes, Zenger Zenger's going to his local Barnes & Noble bookstore right
2: now. And while he's staying on Amazon.
0: Oh no! People don't buy from Amazon. Don't buy books from a madman that has too much money. Please don't. Uh, uh, don't
2: don't buy from Amazon. But that's heard it here first. Buy it from Amazon.
0: Absolutely not. Buy it from anywhere else but Amazon. You got got like a, a crackhead underneath the overpass that's selling you Star Wars books. Buy it from him first. <laughs> Chances are it'll be uh, it'll be a special edition somehow. But no, as I as I think about that book that book might give us more of an insight into what Lucasfilm's idea for Luke Skywalker is, or at least what it was going into The Last Jedi. Because there are, I think if you go back and listen to the episode, I did an entire episode on that, reviewing that book. And if you go back, it's a bunch of short stories. And they're really good. Most of them are really good. And one of the short stories, it talks about how Luke, something happens where Luke's inside like a, Oh God! What was their name? Exogers, space slugs. Yeah. Luke is trapped inside of one of those, and he's with somebody else. I think some some researcher, and he him and the researcher. No, no, it was a female. Oh, What's well, yeah. the female version of Steve? Um, Stevie, Ashley. Uh, okay, let's roll with it. Um, he's in there with Ashley, whose name I have no idea, and they encounter like three beings in... like encased in stone and one of luke's biggest concerns is like he obviously he he harkens back to what he witnessed during a new hope and obi-wan and he says i don't know what's going to happen to me when the moment comes i i might have to perform self-sacrifice and that's a like, he, he's not sure if he could ever do that and considering that is that, that's what he does in the last jedi
2: then she's sitting there and she's like well what are you saying oh i ate the last bit of rations <laughs>
0: that's what Sanger does now in this podcast. He undercuts all my points.
2: Well, dang it. Give me a show to write for.
0: (laughs) I thought you were on the the short list already for Lucasfilm. I thought they had you on the Rolodex.
2: Well, they don't want to make fun of it yet, so I've got to continue to wait.
0: (laughs) Until then, he'll be here undercutting all my points, folks. He's not going anywhere. Nope. And I think that's what Lucasfilm is going for with Luke. I think there is some sort of, like... Existential dilemma that Luke has, where he, he doesn't really want to do, again. Uh, self sacrifice is something he has a hard time wrapping his head around, and I think considering his self sacrifice in the Last Jedi, who knows? I, I do think I wouldn't be surprised if they go with a resurrection. And looking at that line of dialogue from Jedi, it's definitely considering that there's like like look look at what happens like between Solo and Empire, where you have that one line of dialogue with c-3po to han solo saying sir i don't know where your ship learned to communicate but
1: it has the most peculiar dialect
0: and considering that one line of dialogue is essentially a plot point in solo just putting that there folks putting it out there but that that's
2: okay this, this is the other problem with star wars that i both that i really can't stand sometimes is the constant everything in Star Wars has to be a callback, has to be something. You cannot just say an arbitrary line anymore in the Star Wars universe. It's all connected, it's all going back to something, and sometimes, no offense, I love Star Wars, but I can't stand where every single thing has to be a reference or a callback.
0: I don't think it's a callback, though. I think you made this point a few months ago it's what would you call it reverse engineered seating
2: it's technically kind of retconning it's 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 retconning in the point of they're going back and making something that had no significance have significance
0: exactly they're they're the reverse engineering like you said that's what they're doing they're going back and i think and that's what it. so people i think about when people watch these movies 30 years from now and there's 15 well well, who knows, there might be only like 10 Star Wars movies, and there's like 16 TV series.
2: We can only hope.
0: Oh dear, but actually, it's funny, after all the time of me complaining about the fact that Disney might never stop making Star Wars films, it's kind of weird to think about the idea that maybe Disney just stops <laughs> making Star Wars films and goes straight to TV. Like, that's, that's one of the weirdest things. considering Where Luke's the money out. is. I guess, it's just one of those things, considering that Lucas has such a hard time doing live action Star Wars TV, and yet Disney's diving headfirst into it. Like I said, it's just one of those funny things that just tickles me the right way. But no, enough about Dagobah and Luke. I said my piece. The doors open for Episode Nine. So uh, basically, from here on out, it's everything's kind of Endor centric, right, Sanger?
2: Yeah. Excluding so, the quick little thing on the many Bothans died to bring us this information, you get a look at Mon Mothma, who's apparently actually in charge of the rebellion, not Leia. Take that, Leia.
0: Where was Mon Mothma during Hoth?
2: Somewhere else. She was too valuable to, to keep hidden there.
0: I like to imagine she's in the same spot she was during the Battle of Yavin in that stupid, from a certain point of view, book, where she has like a
2: little briefcase
0: with like just a gun with one bullet, and it's like I have a plan all along for the se- to keep the the flame of the rebellion alive.
2: She's got a helpless droid there that she keeps pointing a gun at every now and then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, yes, you have that one moment aboard the Mon Calamari uh, cruiser, and you have, you have some cute little exchanges amongst the characters. I guess one thing I wish we could have gotten a little bit more of in this movie is a little bit more interaction between Han, Leia, and Luke. Uh, I feel all their interaction together is kind of, uh, it's there. Like, it's definitely there a lot more than there is in Empire, and clearly we didn't get any of that in Force Awakens. But I would have liked a little bit more just camaraderie. I feel like they share scenes together. But they're not, like, really interacting. Like, they're there. They're rubbing shoulders, but they're not really engaged. They're physically
2: on set together.
0: Yeah, because, like, even if you think about, like, you have them in the uh, meeting on the Mon Calamari cruiser. They're all there together. But, like, not until the very end does Luke show up. And then when they're on the Imperial shuttle, it's just Luke saying, like, he's uncomfortable about being there. They're not really... Again, interacting with each other. They're just kind of there just saying things in each other's presences. And then you have the stuff aboard on Endor, and you basically have one scene of them saying, like like scouting the two scout troopers, and it goes into an action sequence. And that's and that's more or less kind of what it is. Then like there's like like a couple moments here and there at the Ewok Village. And it's like, Oh, okay. It's like they're there, but and that's kind of the weird thing with this, where you start to see, that's an interesting thing about Return of the Jedi, is that you start to see a lot of the problems that people didn't like about the prequels. And you know, they're not as bad in Jedi as what people would really dislike about the prequels later on, in that, like, the characters are together, much like how they are in the prequels, yet they really don't have any sort of, like, camaraderie, like, or, like, the same level of camaraderie they have during A New Hope and Empire, and that's, I think, a complaint that a lot of people have during the prequels. You know, you have Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme in the same room. They, It feels like they, they really don't have any sort of chemistry amongst each other. They're,
2: they're just, just walking people. by each other almost, like saying stuff. They're, 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 they're all acting, but they're not acting to each other. They're acting like they're, they're all one-man show or one-woman show, just happen to be on the same set.
0: Exactly. It's kinda like when you see like like a Photoshop job where it's like, Oh, you see like all the people together in the same like picture or image and it's like, Oh wait, they weren't there. They're just kind of like assuming the other one will be there. They're kinda like reacting to something that they're imagining there instead of playing off what's actually physically there.
2: Or like anyone acting opposite Nicolas Cage in a movie.
0: Sanger, have you seen Mandy yet?
2: No. I need to
0: why do I feel like Disney about the new Mad Max Fury Row where It's going to be like five years from now. It's going to be like the movies. That's coming up. It's it. coming
2: up real soon. It's coming up hot and fast. It's, it is, it is, um, to, to, to give a hint, it's coming hot and fast for you people. It's coming fast and furious. Sure. Oh, wait. Yeah, cars. that is technically a reference.
0: Cars. They're similar, right? This country yeah. has cars.
2: And there, I've heard there's a chase.
0: Oh, dear. So, I have nothing against the Ewoks. I've never had a problem with Ewoks. But I feel like the whole Ewok, like, from the moment, like, Leia gets separated from them and everything, I guess until they get, I guess Han and Leia get, like,
2: removed from the the bunker. I don't know if the Ewoks serve a point, more or less, aside from to be a little bit of an extra army for them to have. I just feel like they're there for me. It's just like, oh, there's these things that somehow beat these stormtroopers, which continue to somehow exist, despite their best efforts to die at every turn. Stormtroopers are like copy paper out of business. It just seems like they're everywhere, and everyone just can't stand having them around.
0: Zanger, where did you work where copy paper wasn't a good thing?
2: No, I'm just saying it just seems like it's everywhere.
0: I'd say, like, stormtroopers are kind of like paper dolls.
2: Those are all over businesses. I don't know where you've worked, man. But that's weird. <sighs> oh,
0: singer. In the sense of like they're like just kind of like they're there for set decorations. Oh, sorry,
2: I I miss. Sorry, what I should have said was they go through stormtroopers like they go through copy paper. There we go. There's the better oh, quote. Now that makes sense. I cannot tell you how many times I pick, I've accidentally made ten copies of something I needed one of because I accidentally just hit print. Didn't realize the person before me hit. Add ten.
0: Gotcha. But I think the reason why you got Ewoks in this because I think everybody knows that George Lucas's original idea was to
2: see uh, for, I for to have, the Wookiees. I wanted to have the Wookiees originally, but uh, it showed uh, through, through the development of uh, Chewbacca, the the co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon. It was shown that they're very capable with the with the technology and whatnot. So that really interfered with my ideas I was coming up with. So I feel like in in if I ever do a prequel series, I want to um have a have a race of people that um live in the water. That that sounds interesting.
0: What race lives in the water? The Calamari?
2: No, 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 no. I want them to have like these big floppy ears.
0: Oh. oh wow! God, that was stupid on my part. <laughs> Completely blocked out the gungans, folks. Completely just blocked that out.
2: That's what most people say about them, but they're. <laughs> They're my favorite thing I've ever done.
0: Uh, <laughs> Gunga. Yes. Uh, I can't believe that. That was a, that was a novice mistake, folks. I apologize. <laughs> I think the reason why you got Ewoks in this.
2: Much like me directing episode one. <laughs> OK, one more time.
0: The reason why you got Ewoks is that I think Lucas wanted Wookiees, but didn't want to pay for the full price of a Wookiee costume. So he's like, OK, how do I Like, if I can only afford 50 Wookiee costumes, if I cut them in half, I can make 100 of them. But I can't call them Wookiees. They're Ewoks now.
2: Or, or Chewbacca is just like a, a like freak of nature in their culture.
0: He's the real he's the Bigfoot even in the, the Ewoks.
2: Yeah, and fun fact about that. Um, when they were recording that stuff, they actually had to have people with, like, orange vests hanging out around just so people weren't trying to shoot or hunt him thinking he was Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> <sighs> oh, God. Uh, no, it's so, like, I've never been too thrilled with the the Endor sequences. You know, I like some parts of it. But like Zenger said, I think the film really kind of kicks into high gear with uh, Lando's attack on the Death Star. I think that's a like, a, like, it's probably one of the best, god, practical special effects
2: battles. God, ever. no, that, it, it it is, like, and I mean Rogue One, like, it, it, it is an up-in-the-air thing, because it was just so well done, it was so cool to see, like, Star mm-hmm. Destroyers and stuff engaging in battle with other, oh, it was, it's just, it, it's so cool, it's so cool.
0: Yeah, and they're really... At that time, there nothing.
2: There's really nothing else quite like it. And, and also, it feels like they're there. It feels like the ships are there, engaging with each other. Unlike another Star Wars movie, where it just feels like it's just a ton of chaos going on, and they're just somehow cruising through the thing like it's no big deal.
0: That jab at Revenge of the Sith aside.
2: Hey, I, I'm just saying, I don't mind Revenge of the Sith, but that whole space fight can't hold a candle to any of the other ones because it's just it's so busy there's so much going on and you got no time to even like register what you're seeing i feel like in that movie
0: all right zinger rank this rank the, sp- the bat uh this is not really fair uh well we'll think about that later uh well probably wouldn't rank it high anyway but so no, so I-
2: the, I getting- the space battles from the star wars movies
0: yeah, because I wouldn't know. Would you count Attack of the Clones, I guess the Battle of Geonosis? I guess that's not really a space It's battle. not in it's space.
2: More. It doesn't count. I guess the closest thing you could count from that is the asteroid field fight.
0: Yeah.
2: But then yeah, in I that case, then I'd have to include Empires at the asteroid field fight. Even though, for somehow, that actually makes a better point because it's one ship going up against, you know, three Star Destroyers at one time and somehow evades it. Yeah, that's cool.
0: I, I can get behind that but i think the thing that makes the return of the jedi uh, attack on the second death star so unique too is that it's it's a massive starship battle yet like Zenger said like if you watch like whether even like in rogue one everything is shiny like even the star destroyers like just, even though like it, it's it's better than revenge of the sith and phantom menace but the ships all feel shiny and yet in this Everything feels not gritty, because that's that term is overused at this point. But everything kind of feels dull in the sense of it's like you don't have. I don't know, like, are you get are you get my point? I feel like I'm not conveying it properly. It's that it feels like there's there's not there's no veneer on it. it it's much more. It feels like like an honest, honest to God like a like back during World War II where you'd have two aircraft carriers deploy their aircraft and everybody's just trying to get to the other one to blow the other one up first.
2: It's it seems like this, this is the last ditch effort for the rebellion because the because Lando even says that to the to um to them when they're like he's like this is the only chance we're going to get at this. Like it's truly a last ditch effort for them to get there. I like that. I like that about it. That that it's like all or nothing for them right now. Like at this
0: point, point in just never mind Star Wars, but even like in sci-fi, there really was there's nothing else quite, quite like that. It was it, you. I'm trying to think. Was there? I'm trying to think. Even the next time it would happen, where you would have another massive space battle in in, in a sci-fi movie, and I can't think of
2: one. Like like what? I want to say. Um. The Jedi? I want to say something. Something. Battlestar Galactica
0: the remake or the original
2: i don't know one of them
0: but even that it's like like i'm trying to th- the only one i can think of that comes close would be like what independence day
2: yeah that 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 would do it
0: because i think even after that you really you don't get anything else again until probably what the phantom menace you get another like like massive space battle mm-hmm. I mean, te- technically independence day is in our atmosphere but just for the sake of
2: argument uh we're not going to split hairs
0: yeah, like I guess I think that's uh, that's definitely uh, Starship
2: some- Troopers sort of has one. There's ships in space and stuff, and there's stuff going on that revolves around. But yes,
0: that's that's great special effects. But I'm thinking more in the guise of like a dog fight.
2: Yeah, not. Re- you really want me to bring this one up? What? Technically, Lost in Space has something. Oh, really? Yeah, you've never seen the Lost in Space movie? No. Wow. Oh. Then, then let's move on from this discussion immediately. <laughs> All right, uh, I can't contribute to that, so I'm not even going to try. Don't so, don't go watch it. Uh, I'll do you a favor. It's awful. Go watch the new one on Netflix. Don't watch the one with Joey Tribbiani from um the Friends show.
0: Zenner, what do you like? He aside. What do you think of the whole moment on like when Han's trying to blow up the uh, the shield on Endor? Like, like, what do you think of that Not the Ewoks. Failing. What?
2: And then failing at it several times. Like, just... They try to do it one way, and they're like, oh, we got this, and then it turns out, oh, no, we've actually been tricked. They they let us do this.
0: Yeah, basically. Like, like the whole sense of just, like, that entire thing where they get in there, like you said, they, they're expecting them, and it's when Wicket, it, Wicket kind of, like, starts everything off to, like, help with the Ewoks. But then you have the whole thing where, like, han and leia are by the door and they're trying to get the door open by like han's trying to hotwire it and leia's covering him like that's a certain moment where i'd love to see a little bit more bickering back and forth amongst the characters like something like you could very easily just uh plug in like like some dialogue that's like a new hope where they're like arguing in the detention block yeah it's much more it feels like the dialogue's very utilitarian like, it's not meant there to help the characters flourish. It's the dialogue's just there because, oh, they need to be saying something here. It'd be weird if they said, like, there was all just silence and just shooting each other, for, shooting at stormtroopers for five minutes. The actors are there, but they're really not interacting with each other in any sort of mean, meaningful way. Like, that's a great moment where, like, he's trying to hotwire the door and she's covering him. You could have some really great, like, bickering back and forth. Again, like kinda like what Rebels did with Kanan and Hera, where like they'd be in the middle of like an attack or an onslaught, and they would bicker, that would help develop their relationship. Like the only thing we get in this entire movie in the development of the Han Solo and Princess Leia relationship is at the very end after the Death Star has been blown up. And maybe a little bit before then when the two stormtroopers have Han at gunpoint and she slowly reveals that she has a blaster. And he's like, I love you. And obviously it's a callback to Empire. Where she goes, I know. And she shoots both of them. And that's kind of it. Like we only have two very like minuscule moments of character, I guess, relationship development between these
2: two. and It's fleeting at best. I'm, I'm I'm watching a scene from the battle right now. But yes, I I agree with that. We, and we forgot, A-Wings, B-Wings get introduced the in this, too.
0: Yeah. Wedge.
2: They, they, Wedge has his moments.
0: Yeah, Wedge. Wedge is pretty much leading it after, uh, he's what, Red Leader. Yeah. It'd be nice to see Wedge in the new movies. I think that'd be cool. I, think, I don't know, I think Dennis Lawson doesn't hate Star Wars anymore, so we might get him back. That'd be cool. Anyway, though, so I say, I, okay, so I guess now we get into the best part of the entire movie, and that's The Emperor.
2: The emperor, everything with the emperor in this movie—it's—it's it's funny because the Family Guy stuff, the um, the robot chicken stuff, and the defunct um, Star Wars detours nailed it on the head that that the, that the emperor is a show stealer.
0: So, like, but that's the thing that makes this movie so peculiar. and that, like I've already said, like you have all these different characters. And even Vader feels like he's just going through the motions. Like, think about it. does Vader even have a really dramatic like, other than throwing the Emperor down the the shaft? Like even Vader, like nobody has any sort of like dramatic moments in this movie. Yet the Emperor is like, like it's as if the Emperor sucked all the air out of those moments and saved them all for himself.
2: All these moments are mine to have.
0: Go, Palpy. But I think I, I think that's one of the like why this movie is so odd too, and maybe the reason why this movie doesn't resonate as much with people as other ones do, in that you do have like 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 think what is like the most memorable moment Luke Skywalker has in this movie, like naming the most like a uh, quoted line Luke says in Return of the Jedi. Um, like, what, what's a great like like okay? I'm a
2: Jedi. Like my father before me.
0: Okay, that's a good one. But like imagine if I asked you that same question for Empire and the New Hope. Like you, you couldn't stop naming quotable dialogue from either one of those movies.
2: Oh, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you. That's one I'm, I'm trying to think of one from Empire now off the top of my head. Oh yeah, of course. No, no, that can't be true. I'm not gonna even try to scream it. I'd rather not have to have Zach edit that. And you people <laughs> at home, just imagine me doing it for a few seconds. Yeah, see, he gets... No no, 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 don't, 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 don't talk. People at home have to imagine it. <laughs> but All right. Wasn't was that impressive? Exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, man. See, folks, even when we're not going live, this podcast is still a mess. But even you have moments, too, in Empire, like when, um... You see Luke on Dagobah, and it's like, you asked the impossible. And I, I can't believe it. Cut, and that is you know. That's a Yoda line, and that is why you fail. It's you, you don't like even like I like, think about it. obviously with Han Solo in Empire, you have I Love You, I Know, you have Uh, Never Tell Me the Odds, and then we have all these things in Um, A New Hope. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. You have all this quotable dialogue in those first two movies, and you get to this, and it's like, Oh, what's what's something clever that Han Solo says in this?
2: And he's right, it's it's the, um, it's the, I, I grew up here, you know, you're gonna die here, you know, convenient.
0: That's, that's really the only funny moment Han has in the entire movie.
2: He 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 has a few just, I feel like, just camera shots where it's just him doing his Harrison Ford, like, look at me, I'm looking at the camera, or, or looking, he, he, he's, he's almost Jim Halperting at moments. Well, he's, just he's on like, autopilot. yeah.
0: I think that's a I don't think that's a detriment to the like that's the weird thing is that like I don't think that's the movie's fault. I think I blame this on Lucas considering that at this point in the Star Wars filmmaking cycle Lucas had more or less not that he like he pushed people away, but he was kind of was firmly in control now. If you believe the stories that like he really kind of not overshadowed Richard Mark Marquand but he definitely kind of he told Richard Marquand what to do. Richard Marquand was kind of, was, was kind of the director and name only, and because I know, like, we'll talk about it next week. But like in, in the J.W. Rinsler book, they talk about how, or maybe it wasn't. I forget where it was. It's in some article. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll go we'll get more into it next week because next week's episode's already been recorded. But. They did talk about how Richard Marquand didn't believe in like a lot of like flashy filmmaking, and he believed like things should be like straight and like focused, and not like trying to be creative through like camera work or dialogue and things like that. And I think that definitely shows. I think, and maybe maybe we're wrapping up a little too early, but I, I feel like Zenger and I have already kind of gushed over the Emperor enough. But I feel a lot of this movie...
2: But I know, I, I feel like the guy got it nailed it on the head in the video. He's evil for the sake of being evil.
0: With Return of the Jedi, it's a much more... I feel like it's like where obviously Star Wars was this breakthrough. Empire was this almost like a reinvention of the wheel. And with Jedi, it's like it's a definition of playing it safe. Which ties in very nicely as to why I'm absolutely uh, terrified of Episode Nine. But we'll get to that sometime next year. Back to the Emperor, though. I I I think that's why the Emperor is what makes this film stand out. And I think it's weird that this film isn't solely like like when when people think of Jedi, they think of Jabba, they think of all the thing like Ewoks. And I think like when I think of Jedi, I think of the Emperor because the Emperor, true, like I forget forget the special editions, but you really didn't get a good Man, well, you know what would be an
2: easy cooking. easy um 501st to do? The Emperor.
0: You need a lot of latex to get that right.
2: Well, if you do it where the hood's pulled down more.
0: Yeah, but you still got to have latex makeup though. Like you're dude, you, you can just
2: white right. your face a little bit. I don't think I'm I'm just saying, right. saying in, in, in the Okay, I'm going to look that up now.
0: All right, somebody page Force Coast Gym. We have a 501st question. I think that's the thing with the emperor, though, is that you'd think the emperor would be synonymous with this movie. Yet, over time, he's kind of just like people appreciate him, but he's more or less kind of just seen as like like a glorified third-rate, like a, I guess tertiary character. He's not even a second-rate character in this, or not second-rate. That's not that's not right. I mean, like a second second-row character. He's more of a third-row character. That that he has, I guess. His character has much more influence on events than the direct actions that we see. We only see the Emperor ever interact with Vader, and I know there are some deleted scenes where Vader want, like refuses to do something, and the Emperor gets a little bit like aggravated with him. Like there's got to be a lot more deleted scenes with with the Emperor somewhere, or at the very least, maybe even outtakes. And I, I guess I, I, this is a weird movie. Like even though I don't think this movie deserves. The amount of kind of just like uh, nonsense that gets thrown at it, I definitely think a there's room for improvement. But I think this is like it's such a strange movie. You think I guess Lucas, after directing, or I guess after the first two movies, I guess he felt he had to play it safe. To kind of just it was kind of like a lose the battle, win the war when it came to the Star Wars. It's like okay, even though this movie won't break any new ground, it will preserve the franchise going forward. Now, I guess that's kind of was Lucas's mindset at the time.
2: Oh, here we go. Very simple. It's just dark robes, face mask, or face paint and stuff. But, well, yeah, makeup. You, you need to do latex,
0: like liquid latex.
2: All right. Uh, Palpatine's face, though, it's used prosthetic appearance. The key facial features to resemble the eyebrows, forehead, cheeks, yeah. and chin. Prosthetic appearance are made from silicone, foam. Latex or gelatin. The color, but yeah, it's just telling. Oh, you've got to do the hands.
0: Yup, oh, told you. Not
2: simple. Oh, to get a level two certification. This is interesting. Ultra latex skin, um, under robes, over robes, belt, approach, sash, footwear, cane. Oh, crap, I forgot. You got to do the eyes. Yeah, see, so you got to wear contact lenses. This is, this is next level stuff
0: we have at the very end, they blow up the Death Star, you have all this stuff happen. And I think the ending to this is really cute. I think this is probably one of the best of all the Star Wars films' endings. Because, forget about EU... Or even episode seven. But I think, even though it, it wraps it up a little too nicely, I definitely do appreciate the, the pretty little bow that ends the movie this ends on between the fact that, oh, like obviously we have the, the reunion of Vader, or I guess at that point, Anakin and Luke. And I just want on the record I might have said it before in the past, but I know like a lot of people now are defending. Hayden Christensen replacing Sebastian Shaw, and I know Cowboy Hat Man has said it numerous times, and he's like, oh, George's decision here makes perfect sense because uh, Anakin has come back to the light side of the Force, and that's what his incarnation, his light side incarnation looks like. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the incarnation of Anakin that went to the dark side and started slaughtering children. It's like if you want the version of Anakin that found redemption, it's the Sebastian Shaw version. That's what he should look like. And plus, two, who are we to argue about what our Force ghost looks like? I imagine a Force ghost can look like anything. But I, I, I've always found it weird that A, Lucas did that, and B, that people actually defend him replacing Sebastian Shaw with Hayden Christensen. And the rationale for it doesn't even make sense. So but but again to each his own, but it's 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 a dumb rationale because why would the incarnation of I think about it, if you were a person that murdered children as like a guy in your early twenties, and then as like a 50-something year old man you find salvation, why would you want the incarnation of that murdered child being the one that you, you show your son? Like and plus your son wouldn't even wouldn't even recognize you. It's just again, I, I know why Lucas did it was for continuity's sake, but not my cup of tea. that's not really what Return of the Jedi was in its initial run and uh, that's like I-, I think I have all the special edition changes. I think Return of the Jedi has the most egregious updates, but that's uh, that's a topic for another day. And for the record, Yubnub is a much better song than just the generic music they have during the special editions. And like I said, I really love that kind of just like the the little campfire they have in the celebration on Endor. It's like considering how uh, A New Hope gives us that really kind of just regal royal ceremony at the end after blowing up the Death Star, I think like a little get together like this, like under the moonlight, and they have a couple fires going, and it's a very uh, uh, indigenous people's celebration with the Ewoks i think that's a nice way like that's one thing i think this movie doesn't get a lot of credit for is that considering this was the final film in the star wars saga at the time and that it was the the vanquishment of evil between the emperor darth vader the death star again they could have really gone over the top in this sort of like ending ceremony much like kind of happens in phantom menace and i think it doesn't get the do in how toned down and low key it is the celebration ceremony it might end I know a lot of people don't like that it ends so fast like oh quick we go from uh, uh, the Emperor's dead to Vader's dead to Death Star to to Celebration cue credits and even though that is a little bit rushed I think once you've built like Zenger said like during that attack on Endor sequence you've built up so much momentum you kind of have to like uh, uh, coast like really well, fast. Then then, then
2: you have the um, the Lord of the Rings ending issue where the movie just doesn't end at, at a cer- after a certain point it just keeps going.
0: Yeah, like, like that's that's one thing that,
2: about- that's wrong. But it's like I just can't see Star Wars having that happen to where it would have gone on for another like thirty minutes. It just wouldn't make sense. It'd be like get over it.
0: Well, Lucas tried to try to do that with the special editions because we see like they're celebrating on Coruscant.
2: The that doesn't bother the me because it's not drawing out like for no apparent reason stuff.
0: But but why do you need to see all these different planets celebrating? It's like the Death Star is destroyed and the Ewok celebration does all the heavy lifting it needs to for that scene, for those, for, for the ending of the movie. You don't need to see everything else. Like I, that's the thing about though it's like. Uh, It's efficient storytelling to have the Ewok celebration. You don't need celebrations on every other planet. Less is more. True. It's funny. A lot of these things that work in Jedi, the things that do work really well, are the things that that Lucas changed over time. Which I think is just completely fascinating, considering that he did have almost unanimous creative control over this film that was getting made. Like it's one thing when Star Wars the first one was getting made, and like he didn't have a like he didn't have as much money as he would have liked. He was under the, the gun from the studio. Then you have Empire, where once again he didn't have as much money uh, he would have liked. Like there was all these just pressures from trying to live up to the success of Star Wars. Yet it's the film that he had the most control over is the one that he somehow has meddled with the most. And I like again that's just another I, again nothing against the movie, but that's just part of the the, the Kirk the. Quirky, eccentric nature of George Lucas. It's he, he's a fascinating man, folks. We know for like, we know Ryan Johnson listens to this podcast, but we know for a fact George Lucas doesn't. But if anybody's neighbors with George, I have is,
2: I have so much time on my hands right now of just coming up with the next great thing children will like. What would that be Mr. Lucas? I don't know yet. I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, I gave him the perfection that was the Gungans, and they threw that back in my face now i must sit here and ponder what's next
0: as you stare into your uh f- mall food court noodles
2: yes they look delicious i wish i could eat them
0: you know what folks after we make our coffee mug we have another suggestion for doing another <laughs> knight's vader like uh beverage container unit we might yeah sports drinks <laughs> yes and I think the next one that Zenger just Zenger made me think of is that we're going to have Knights of Vader branded frozen dinners. We're going to have George Lucas themed noodles that you bring to the food court and you eat very sadly as your wife gives a presentation in like Australia.
1: <laughs> is,
0: that a,
2: is that a real thing?
0: Yeah, that's what he is. You've seen that picture, right? of Him like in the food court reading the newspaper, like eating like food court noodles. Oh, my it's, God.
2: Hold on. Hold on. I mean, can continue talking. I'm just saying. I'm looking it up. You didn't know about this? No.
0: You had to. Have. This was a big thing a couple years ago.
2: Oh, good. He's drinking a diet coat. That aspartame's gonna get to him. So, what do you think about the picture? So, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I expected, but it's exactly what I expected.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. I think everybody's seen this picture. We'll link to it in the show notes if you don't know what we're talking about. But no, it's a, it's it's kind of like it's a very like. Actually, a, this
2: brings a good, good point. Leave celebrities alone.
0: Well, that's what I mean? Though. It's it's a candid shot. It, clearly, he didn't know he was being uh, videotaped or, or or filmed or whatever they did. And yeah, it's it's not a flattering shot because it's just a man sitting there eating. Let him eat his food court noodles in peace. I think that's and, the ultimate message of the And I think, right, Zenger, is that the ultimate message of Return of the Jedi? Eating your food court noodles and drinking your Diet Coke?
2: Is that a lime? Why is there a lime on his tray? Did he put the lime in the Coke? Fascinating. So that being said, Zenger,
0: if there's one thing going forward, considering there is this bias now against Return of the Jedi, what's one thing that, if if, we're not telling anybody they have to like Jedi, but if you do, what's one thing you could kind of say or do in this movie's favor to try to help turn the tide on public opinion for it
2: he's like, not even wearing thing? shoes like i mean he's wearing shoes but just good god they, they look like the same shoes he was wearing while filming the movies the original ones so he's got old shoes
0: i don't know if, are we allowed to dunk on a man that's just trying to eat his noodles even though he's worth how many billions of dollars
2: yes that's <laughs> the exact reason i'm allowed to but leave him alone
0: Zenger, what's one thing someone could say on reversing the tide against the negativity on Jedi? Like,
2: what's one thing that
0: you like? If somebody says something bad about Jedi, what's something that you, you someone could say that has their, one of the uh, best
2: starfighter battles, like, ever? I kind of pry pride pry that out of you, but oh, you're being sarcastic.
0: No, no, not really. I kind of had, had to pry that out of you because you're too busy watching George Lucas eat
2: noodles. No, actually, I'm back to something else real quick. By the way, um, we forgot you could technically do Darth Sidious pre-scarring, but Ooh, my yeah. face isn't old enough yet because it does say you cannot use a mask. Why
0: don't you go as George Lucas
2: eating noodles for Halloween <laughs> next year? No, I, I want to join the 501st. Oh my gosh, no, that's what I should do is 501st. Just go as George Lucas. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you can be you can be the George Lucas stormtrooper.
2: I'm the I'm the ultimate villain of the franchise. I wrote it. Boom. Boom. I no. created Jar Jar. Goongus. That too.
0: No, but like okay, to answer my own question, because Zenger uh, clearly just kinda gave me the uh, the bite-sized version. Is it like I would tell people about Return of the Jedi, is that yes, it, it's I would say objectively it's not as good. As Star Wars or Empire, but I think there are some really great moments it. I think you have a great heist rescue caper in the first third of the film. Like does I it make said.
2: sense? Does it all come together?
0: Yes, yeah, it does. Sure, <laughs> but I, I'd well, really want like, that's, again. That's again the power of narrative. It's funny once a narrative gets started in Star Wars, it kind of takes on a life of its own. Like I'm fascinated by that. Once once somebody puts together like a really like uh, uh, concise like spiel. Or narrative, it's amazing how Star Wars fans just glom onto it, hook, line, and sinker. It's 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 sickening in a way. Not saying all Star Wars fans, but the fact that like a lot of people just they they they, they just take these these little bite-sized sayings and just run with it. It's kind of like how Red Letter Media ended up the way it is. But going back to Jedi, I think the Yoda stuff is spectacular. Like Zenger said, the special effects are good, but th- that. That comes and goes. Special effects. But I think the, the, the trifecta of Jedi is the rescue of Han Solo, the Yoda spirituality, and the Emperor. I think those three things alone help elevate this movie to a point where you really can't just crap on it because uh, it's it's not must Star Wars or just generic nitpicking because it doesn't have the lightsaber fight you wish it had.
2: This one is a good lightsaber fight, it.
0: No, but I mean, no, it's not Luke and Vader on Best Spin, or Obi Wan and Anakin, or anything like that. I think there is a, a human human touch, like I, I kind of like, I've kind of mentioned throughout the entire episode so far. But I think there is a a human element that's missing. I think I think there's a sense of camaraderie that's in the first two films that's missing. I think that's a major reason why a lot of fans just feel a disconnect from Jedi, which they
2: don't have with empire and star Wars. Anything else, Zenger,
0: any, any other,
2: uh, no, I, like, like I so, said, I mean, this isn't my favorite star Wars movie. And I do agree. Like the more I'm thinking about it when I was a kid, I did enjoy this one a lot more.
0: Yeah. like Again, I think Lucas had that in mind. I think this was designed for children, but that's, uh, what,
2: and, it, and, it's, and it's, not, it's not the Ewoks. It's, it's the, the heist thing was very cool to watch. The space battle was really cool. And I'm yeah. like, I still like that stuff. And it's like overanalyzing that one aspect of... did. Lo- it's, it's like, of course, he was trying to get as many people in there as he could. And also, it's, it's kind of... I mean, look at any other movie. Plans are always always super convoluted and they have to work out the way it does. I mean, to be honest, you go write a movie and figure it out and try to piece it together better and make it make sense. But the 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 other one I want to say, like, like I said earlier, Palpatine's plan for the entire original trilogy just doesn't make any sense. It's like, oh, so he wanted to do all this and all this happened and this, that, and the other. But whatever.
0: This one last thing, this isn't really even specific to Jedi, but it's interesting that Zenger brought this up. Trying to get a bunch of kids hooked on Star Wars with this movie. And if you think about it, like let's say you're a kid that was seven years old when the original Star Wars came out in 1977. And at seven years old, you are the prime demographic for Star Wars. Yet, think about it by the time Jedi comes out in 1983, you're 13 years old and you're a teenager. You are essentially a completely different person when it comes to what you like, your taste, what you think is cool. And I think that's a really interesting point that Zenger brought up. And I think it's, it was inadvertent, inadvertent on his part. But look at it that way, though. It's like, like a lot of the kids that were buying Star Wars toys in 1978 really weren't those type of people anymore by the time the Star Wars saga was wrapping up. That's not to say they probably didn't see this film. I'm not saying that at all, though. But considering that you have basically a whole new generation that could have been introduced with this film that wasn't really around for Star Wars when it got off the ground is really interesting. I never thought of it that way, Senator. That is a very astute observation. Thank you. Well done, sir. All right. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, where I once again changed the name. But I had a reason behind this. As you all know, our original Twitter handle was at KOV Podcast. I have one of our business cards, which has the KOV Podcast on it. And I was really mad at the fact that that's now a defunct name. But in my infinite wisdom, I decided to change the name to at K0V Podcast. Oh, you,
2: you crappy individual.
0: I'm a clever son of a gun. So I changed it again for all of you that remember Knights Vader. That's gone. But it's now K-0-V-Podcast. Zero, none, no. But hey, at least I have my business cards. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook. That's not with a zero. And chances are you will find it. If you like what you hear, please rate and review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. And considering that it's the holidays, we would really appreciate the gift of an iTunes five star review. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. They've recently, or they're in the process of about to release their new album, their second album, and they have a new single out. Make sure to check the show notes to definitely hear more from them. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Knight, K-N-I-T-E. And on the Cinemani's podcast, where we'll be talking about Lost Soul, the doomed journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, as we continue our series of November, where we discuss films that don't, that some of them exist, some of them don't, but it's the whole idea of what happens to films that, are pitched but kind of get lost in the process of getting made. So check it out if you're interested in films that really didn't come to fruition. And Zenger, where can people find you?
2: Uh, you can find me every Monday screaming about stuff over on my podcast, Zing This. It's a nerdy roundup show, and in reference to this past week's episode, Praise the Sun. Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Yes. Think Upon Your Sins.
0: Even more confused, folks. So, yes. Zanger, what is our mo- moment, considering that it's Thanksgiving, or at least Thanksgiving week, what is our, mo- is there a Thanksgiving moment of Zang?
2: Hmm. You know the cranberry stuff that comes in the can? Jellied or whole? Oh, the, the, the jellied one. The one that looks like you just put a can, and then you took it off, and the can's still there, but in j- gra- jam form.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Does anyone actually eat that?
0: Yeah, actually I know a lot of people who do. That's really popular. I don't think anyone
2: does. <laughs> All right. But it's, it's 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 a staple of like you, you know what that you, you know that that's something that, that, that is on everyone's plate this year.
0: Alrighty folks, much like a couple weeks ago when Zenger asked you to write in and tell you what your you keep your thermostat at in the winter, let us know do you eat the jelly cranberry sauce?
2: The or do you eat the like yeah. Yeah. Do you, what, what, what version of cranberries do you eat? Do you, uh, the ones where it's the berry stuff, the ones where it's the whole can, or do you just have it there because you feel like you're supposed to?
0: Alrighty, folks, that is our moment of Zang. And next week you'll be hearing from us as we discuss David Lynch's Revenge of the Jedi. So that's a preview of things to come. righty, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Once again, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for being part of the podcast and for putting up with all of our nonsense. And Zenger, we wish you, Force Ghost Jim, I don't know if Force Ghost. Uh, celebrate Thanksgiving, but I hope wherever Force Ghost Jim is, he has a giant turkey platter with a uh, a nice blue aura around it. I hope you and everybody else in the Zengness family has a happy Thanksgiving.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Also, want to point this out. This, this brings us one week closer again to Festivus.
0: Oh, man, folks. You know, Sorry, call- I, 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 th-
2: I thought, thought we had a super special name for it. I'm like, no, wait. No, we don't. It's nope, just Festivus.
0: Nope, just straight up Festivus.
2: Yep.
0: Oh, boy. We're getting All close. Right. Oh, you're getting closer, which means we're also getting closer to the holiday special again.
2: Uh, we have to watch it again?
0: You didn't watch it the first time, so now you have to watch it twice. You're getting <laughs> God dang it. Maybe I'll force Ellie to watch it. Oh, my God. I don't think she, no, she doesn't deserve that. And then she'll never come on this podcast.
2: Ever? I don't even think she'll come on Zygnus after that.
0: <laughs> That's what should have been. I biased. need a new host. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, next week, Zenger's like in tears. What happened, Zenger? So well, she served me divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the Geneva conventions, that scene is uh, unlawful. War crime.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a war crime. Yeah, a war crime, crime it's like,
0: too. It's up there with mustard gas, I think. Yep. Yep. Oh, but you know what, folks? One, you know two. what? The Geneva Convention has no jurisdiction in the Knights of Vader podcast. So you'll unfortunately have to suffer with it.
2: Yeah, you do.
0: righty, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving and have a good night. Bye. Bye.